0: This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit Jodcast.net.
1: The night sky for June 2019. Well, we don't have many hours of darkness, and of course in the north of the United Kingdom it really never gets totally dark at all during June, but uh, there are still some nice things to see. And the sky I'm going to mention is what you might see around 11 p.m., British summertime, a sort of in mid-UK. Well, as darkness falls, the rather nice constellation of Leo the Lion, with its bright star Regulus, is setting towards the west. The brightest star that we see in the south is Arcturus, at the southern end of the constellation of Bootes. Over to the left, we have the constellation of Hercules. And if you've got binoculars or a small telescope, if you find the keystone, which is sort of a bit like a keystone in a bridge really, if you go up the right-hand side about two-thirds of the way you might see a little fuzzy blob and that's M13. It's the largest globular cluster that we can actually see in the northern hemisphere. A wonderful spherical distribution of stars, very, very old we believe. And then moving over and rising in the east is that lovely part of the sky with the constellation of Cygnus the Swan with its bright star Deneb, we have Lyra with its bright star Vega, and below them we have Aquila the Eagle with its bright star Altair. Those three stars make up what I think it was Patrick Moore called the Summer Triangle. If you work your way up from Altair about a third of the way towards Vega, you actually cross a fairly dark region of the Milky Way called the Cygnus Rift, but in there is a rather nice asterism called the coat hanger. It's actually upside down, but that's rather nice. Looking higher up in the sky, over towards the west somewhat, is the asterism, as it really is, of the plough, which of course are the brightest stars in the constellation of Ursa Major. Again, with binoculars or a small telescope, if you look at the middle star of the three making up the handle, you should see it's a double star, Alcor and Mizar. That's rather nice to see too. Well, as I say, not a lot of night-time viewing, but something to see anyway. Well, what about the planets? We'll start with Jupiter. It shines at magnitude minus 2.6 throughout the month, and it reaches opposition on June the 10th. So you'll see it, basically, throughout the night. Its angular size is its maximum of about 46 arc seconds across. However, it's lying in the southern part of Ophiuchus, up and to the left of Antares in Scorpius and a highlight gives times when the great red spot faces the Earth. Just search for night sky Jodrell Bank and you'll find it. Sadly, it's heading towards the southernmost part of the ecliptic, so as it crosses the meridian, it will only have an elevation of about 14 degrees, as seen from the central part of the UK. Atmospheric dispersion, which acts a little bit like a prism, will thus take its toll, and an atmospheric dispersion corrector Would greatly help to improve our views of the giant planet. Well Saturn it shines with a magnitude increasing from plus 0.3 to plus 0.1 during the month rising at about 2200 UT at the beginning of June so crosses the meridian in the early hours of the morning by month's end it rises about an hour earlier it's moving towards opposition on July the 9th its disc is about 18 arc seconds across and the rings which are still nicely tilted from the line of sight, spanning some 40 arc-seconds across. Sadly, now in Sagittarius, and lying on the southern side of the Milky Way, it is at the lowest point of the ecliptic, and again will only reach an elevation of around 12 to 14 degrees. Again, as with Jupiter, an atmospheric dispersion corrector would help improve our view. Now Mercury... Following its passage through superior conjunction, that means it's behind the sun, on May the 21st, is now visible low in the northwest after sunset. As it moves towards greatest elongation east on June the 23rd, it rises higher in the sky after sunset. However, though starting the month at magnitude minus 1.1, this falls to magnitude plus 0.1 by the 17th of the month, and plus 0.9 by month's end. Its angular size increases from 5.5 to 9.2 arc seconds as the month progresses. To spot it, one will need a very low horizon and binoculars could well be needed to reduce the sun's background glare. But of course, please do not use them until after the sun has set. Well, Mars has been in our skies for a very long time, it remains at magnitude plus 1.8 all month and is still visible in the southwestern sky after sunset. Initially in Germany, the heavenly twins, it moves into Cancer on the 28th of the month. Mars sets some two hours after the sun at the start of June with an elevation as darkness falls of about 11 degrees, but less than one hour by month's end. Its angular size falls from 3.9 arc seconds to 3.7 arc seconds so one will not be able to spot any details on its salmon pink surface. Finally, Venus. With a magnitude of minus 3.8, which is pretty bright, it rises just one hour before the sun this month, with an angular size reducing from 10.5 to 9.9 arc seconds. However, at the same time, the percentage illuminated disk, that's called its phase, increases from 94% to 98% which is why the brightness remains constant at minus 3.8 magnitudes. Its elevation is only 4 degrees at sunrise, so a very low horizon just north of east is required, and binoculars may well be needed to spot it through the sun's glare. But again, please do not use them until after the sun has set. Well, there are no specifically high highlights this month, but here are a few. On June the 5th, after sunset, Mars is very close to a very thin crescent moon. You'll need a very low horizon towards the northwest after sunset, and should it be clear, you should be able to see Mars lying over to the left of a very thin crescent moon. And when the moon's a very thin crescent, there's always a chance of seeing Earth shine, which is the dark part of the moon's surface, illuminated faintly by light reflected from the Earth. On June the 8th, after sunset, a waxing crescent moon will be seen lying just above Regulus in Leo. And on June the 15th, around midnight, Jupiter will be seen over to the right of a moon which is on its way to full. On the 19th, after midnight, Saturn will be seen up to the left of the moon, again just before its full. On the 27th, after sunset, you can see Mars and Mercury. Given a low horizon in the northwest, it's down to the left of Castor and Pollux in Germany. Now, binoculars again may well be needed. I don't need to say it a third time, but please do not use them until after the sun has set. Again, as I mentioned, a highlight tells you the rather few times when there's a chance of seeing the great red spot facing the earth, and that's those when it's basically after dark. I usually give something to look at on the moon. And this month I've mentioned Mons Piton and the crater Cassini. And the best time to see them together is the evening of June the 10th. And that's just after first quarter. Mons Piton is an isolated lunar mountain located in the eastern part of Mare Imbrium, southeast of the crater Plato and west of the crater Cassini. It has a diameter of 25 kilometers and a height of 2.3 kilometers. Instantly, these heights were first found by measuring the length of the shadows given by the mountain, obviously noting, too, the angle of elevation of the sun at the time. Cassini is a 57 kilometer crater that's been flooded with lava. The crater floor has been impacted many times and holds within its borders two significant craters, Cassini A, the larger, and Cassini B. Again, in this rather lovely part of the lunar surface, North of Mons Piton can be seen a rift through the Alpine mountains, Montes Alpes. It's around 166 and sixty-six kilometres long and has a thin rill along its centre. I've never been able to see it, but I have been able to image it. As you could see in the lunar section of the night sky page, just look for 8-day-old moon. It's a very high-resolution image, the best I've ever taken, with a resolution of about 0.6 or seven of an arc second. And it does show the rill running along the centre of the rift and some little craters along it. So do have a look. Anyway, again, not many hours of darkness, but enjoy the summer days as well, of course. And I do hope you spot something.
0: Thanks for that, Ian. And for our southern hemisphere listeners, here's Haratina Mogoshono and Samuel Leskey with the night sky where you are. Buonasera, din Romania.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: We are in Romania visiting the Northern Hemisphere and holding galactic conversations because that's what we do even on holiday. We actually have been to the Royal Observatory in Greenwich as well, at the beginning of the trip, and we are still raving about that stop. My favorite thing was watching Sam and our hosts there, Brendan Owens, talk while standing either side of the prime meridian.
2: My favorite thing about the Royal Observatory At Greenwich was swinging the Great Equatorial Telescope and having a little turn with manoeuvring it around the dome. It's an amazing telescope and huge 28-inch aperture and weighs 18 tonnes. Quite a lot bigger than the Thomas Cook that I'm used to swinging around the dome back in Wellington. This month we're admiring the northern sky and reminiscing about the southern sky. We'll be back in New Zealand in the second part of the month.
0: We have instructions for looking up, we talk a little bit about the month of June, we look at what the Sun is up to, the Milky Way, Orion and Scorpius, we talk about the brightest stars visible and finally some favourite binocular and telescope objects, circumpolar objects and planets. A bit about June.
2: June is the 6th month of the year in the Julian and Gregorian calendars and the first month of summer in the Northern Hemisphere and the first month of winter in the southern hemisphere as i'm sure our colleagues back in new zealand are finding out june contains the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere the day with the most daylight hours and the winter solstice in the southern hemisphere is the day with the fewest daylight hours of course not at the poles, though june in the northern hemisphere is the seasonal equivalent to december in the southern hemisphere and vice versa
0: It is named after the Roman goddess Juno, the goddess of marriage and the wife of the supreme deity Jupiter. Her name is also Hera. It can also, the name can come from the Latin word juniores, means younger ones, as opposed to maiores, elders, for which the preceding month may, maius, may be named too. June could also be named after Lucius Junius Brutus, founder of the Roman Republic and ancestor of the Roman gens Junia. The juniper tree's name is derived from the Latin word juniperus. In Latin, juniperus is a combination of the word junio, which means young, and parere to produce, hence youth producing or evergreen. Ginepro, or Italian for juniper, Ginevra, Italian variant form of juniper, and genie are other names that also refer to the juniper tree. However, it is unclear whether Jennifer comes from juniper. Traditionally, June flowers are rose and honeysuckle, which is not weird, actually, as in Europe these are right now in bloom, and we can see for ourselves right now they're gorgeous.
2: And a piece of weird information out there for the Romans, the beginning of June, the 15th of May to the 15th of June, actually, was a bad time to get married. Anyway, stars have nothing to do with what happens here on Earth unless our sun decides to make mega solar flares, which are predicted to appear and reappear in the next uh, few years, whereas the sun starts gearing up again towards a solar maximum. Or it can also get bad when stars in the local neighbourhood go bad or go supernova, and Earth happens to be in the way, and that radiation can uh, affect what happens on Earth. And in fact, there's been a couple of interesting papers released in the last couple of weeks about supernova that may have gone off in our local neighborhood a couple of million years ago, which may have actually caused more forest fires on Earth, which opened up the forest to uh, grasslands, which uh, may have helped our ancestors decide to stand up on two feet.
0: That's very awesome. But other than that, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the view of the stars as they have nothing to do with what happens to us right now. Unless they go bad. Alright, talking about stars going bad, meteor showers, there are a few meteor showers written out there, like um, the Ariatids, they should take place May 22nd to July 2nd each year and peak on June 7th, Beta Taurids on June 7th to July 18th. The issues with these is that the sun is very close to the two constellations, Arias and Taurus, and for the observers back in the southern hemispheres, you will have to wake up very early in the morning to watch them, providing you have a good horizon. So stand on a mountain. Stand on a mountain. The June Boothids, they place roughly between 26th of June and 2nd of July each year. Bootes is grazing the northern horizon in Wellington again, so maybe not as good as we would have thought. We get a lot of questions about meteor showers, at the observatory when people ring us and they say, hey, we saw these meteor showers um, in the newspaper or in media. But um, the question is, do does media look at them?
2: Well, and when you say grazing the northern horizon, that pretty much means you can't see them. <laughs> it's the polite way of saying that you can't see them.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So... This is clear about the meteor showers. Let's talk about the sun. What's the sun up to? Well, the sun rises from
2: 7.30 to 7.50 um, throughout the month and sets at about 5pm. Beautiful and long nights are here, but so is the cold weather. In the meantime, we are basking 32 degrees in the sun in the northern hemisphere and getting a great tan. In June, the Sun first transits the zodiacal constellations of Taurus, switching to Gemini on the 23rd of June.
0: So again, if you thought you were born in a certain star sign... You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right, what's happening to the Milky Way? We are now looking towards the center of our galaxy, which rises in the southeast just after sunset and reaches Meridian around midnight in the middle of the month.
2: Bright stars of the Milky Way, well, starting from the west, after sunset, Betelgeuse is slowly sinking into the sun. Well, it's not actually sinking into the sun, because it's significantly bigger than the sun, but that's how it looks. And it will be gone from the evening sky towards the middle of the month. In a zigzag to the north is uh, Procyon, the little dog, Alpha Star, and zigzagging again is Sirius, the big dog, and Athara. Suhail al Mulif is shining in valour, and Avior, Aspidiske and Meapla. Cetus are bright stars in Carina. The beautiful stars of the Southern Cross follow the two pointers, Alpha and Beta Centauri. Later on in the night, after the center of the Milky Way rises, is Antares and Shula in Scorpius, Nunki in Sagittarius, and last but not least, after midnight, Altair and Vega are grazing the northern horizon with their beauty.
0: Which means, again, you might not be able able to see them from Wellington.
2: Well, they're really (laughs) bright, so, you know, maybe. Maybe if you stand on a mountain and you're looking out to sea or
0: something. Go and find a mountain, people. Yeah. <laughs> Orion and Scorpius. Right. Orion and Scorpius are very significant because they're very bright. They're very clear. You can see them. So then people invented this legend that there were mortal enemies. And because of that, Zeus placed them 180 degrees from each other. So they're really, really good sky markers. So... Orion is now very close to Taurus, where the sun is kind of located on the zodiacal band, and it will sink further towards the horizon as the month progresses. Enjoy it while it lasts. For the rest of the month, it will disappear from our sight in mid-June. Bright stars on the ecliptic, Regulus in Leo, which is extremely close to the ecliptic, and Spica, or Spica, the blue giant in Virgo are great shiny stars. Also, one of my favorites, Zubinel Genubi, another star grazing the ecliptic and Zubinashamali just beneath it. Zubinashamali means the northern claw, and Zubinashamali means the southern claw, alluding to these two stars that had been the claws of Scorpius before they were chopped off and turned into the current constellation of Libra. They're followed by Antares, which is the very last bright star visible on the ecliptic before sun rays
2: and circumpolar objects to New Zealand. The beautiful Southern Cross, of course, and the pointers are high in the sky at sunset. Gacrux and Akrooks are crossing the meridian around about 7pm in the middle of the month. Omega Centauri is in a great position to observe, as well as Musca, Vela, Carina and their Diamond Cross, the False Cross and the Large Magellanic Cloud, and of course the huge giant spider, the Tarantula Nebula, which is always fantastic and nice and high.
0: There's some binocular objects in June, obviously, and we love binoculars because we think you can see much better with them. Get a tripod, get a good pair of binoculars. We have 7x50s and a pair of 10 x fifty. And the first number, for those who are wondering what that is, is the measure of power. It means how much those binoculars magnify, in this case 7 and the 10. The second number is the diameter of the objective, the big lens at the front in millimeters, in this case the 50. They're really good for beginning to look at the night sky. Don't get a telescope first, get a pair of binoculars first.
2: We have two eyes, so binocular views are more spectacular in many regards than a telescope. Because our brains interpret what we see. Binoculars give depth of view as they engage both eyes in the process. I actually bought a telescope before I bought binoculars, but you know, and I would never go back. <laughs> <laughs> but binoculars are fantastic and they're a great way to start learning the night nice sky.
0: You do carry your binoculars everywhere you go. Yes, true. Yeah.
2: They're a bit easier to carry than a 16 inch um, Dobsonian reflector.
0: <laughs> so what can we see with binoculars? Close to the area south of the triangle that marks Leo's hips, M65, M66 and NGC3628 are amazing and they will be visible depending on the size of your binoculars. They're also known as the Leo triplet. Also in Leo, M105 is an elliptical galaxy. Last but not least, M96, another galaxy in Leo, lies at about 35 million light years away. In Virgo, there's some amazing deep sky objects too. And
2: well, it's probably worth noting, actually, when you're looking at galaxies with binoculars, you're not going to get a Hubble type view. And, and, very, galaxies are very sensitive to light pollution. So if you, you really need to be in a really dark sky location to be able to see the galaxies. But anyway, in Virgo, you can get a map and look for all these objects that are fantastic. Or if everything else fails, simply take your binoculars out and just swipe the Milky Way from one edge to the other. And it be amazing what you'll find. You'll see clusters and all sorts of things that look truly amazing. You might not figure out exactly which objects you're looking at, but you would definitely find some amazing sites, especially in the region close to Carina. There you'll find a whole lot of numbers. Prepare IC2602, NGC3114, NGC353, NGC2516. And if you remember all those, they're all open clusters. Good luck. In, in and there's also NGC um 4755 5, which is another open cluster NGC 2451 in Puppis and IC 2391 in Vela.
0: Well, if you don't remember these numbers it doesn't matter because we wrote them down on our website so just check up. Yeah, just Milky read way Kiwi, Kiwi, yeah. Lower down Omega Centauri is a globular cluster in Centaurus and Scorpius there are the butterfly cluster M7 I mean these are classics right. Open cluster M7 and NGC 6231 open cluster as well. Telescope objects in June, a fantastic night sky in central Wellington where the large Magellanic Cloud is only visible with averted vision, still not bad for a capital city. We looked at the Southern Beehive, NGC 2516, the Gem Cluster, again classics, NGC 3293, Southern Pleiades, IC 2602, Wishing well, NGC 3532, Dual Box, NGC 4755, Omicron Velorum, IC 2391, Omega Centauri, NGC 5139, Alpha Centauri and Acrox. Tarantula, NGC 2070. Sounds like a big long list. We actually talk about them in Astronomy on Tap every beginning of the month and we show them Big there, out there in the planetarium, so you do have Hubble-like pictures if you do want to check these things out.
2: And if you do ever make it to Wellington, and it's a nice clear night, and I'm on the telescope, then we can have a look at those in the Thomas Cook. Okay, the planets. From the start of the month, Jupiter's position just keeps getting better and better. At the start of the month, it rises about 5.30 in the very early evening, and by the end of the month, it's already a third of the way up the sky by that time. The best thing is you won't have to stay up too late to get the best views of Jupiter at the end of the month because the planet will be nearly straight up from about 10.30pm. With the minimum amount of atmosphere to look through, you should see some fantastic detail on the planet. And those of of you who are into imaging of the gas giant might be able to capture some of the activity that is going on with the Great Red Spot at the moment, which is on its way to actually becoming the (laughs) mediocre Red Spot by the looks of things. It seems to be disintegrating.
0: That's very sad. I wonder what Galileo would say about that.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, he will need a bigger telescope.
0: There is good news too. The good news, the other good news is for the month is that Saturn will be about two hours behind Jupiter, and so will be improving throughout the month as well. But what's amazing about Saturn at this time of the year and this year is that the rings are in the greatest position to observe because you know the ring opening changes throughout the years around. A six years cycle. So this year we're onto it. People get your telescopes out there. Come to space place at Cut Observatory. Look at Saturn through the telescope. It's absolutely magnificent. And you can see the rings at uh, their biggest and most beautifulness, especially because Saturn's really high in the sky. So you'll get a nice, nice view of it. These rings are side on. And what that means, they're at this great angle to see. There is a thickness that you can see. are some of the delicate banding, including the dark band known as the Cassini division. And if you haven't observed Saturn for a while, then as we were saying, just get out there, have a good look before the rings start to close up again.
2: Venus is nice and bright. In, well, of course it is because it's always nice and bright in the, in the morning or the evening sky, but at the moment in the morning sky for the first part of the month. And it's steadily getting closer and closer to the sun, so you won't be able to see it after a while mercury slowly improves its position over the month with getting up close and personal with mars in mm-hmm. the early evening of the uh, 19th of june so if you get a good horizon it's still quite close to the sun so it might be quite hard to see but you might be able to see those two planets visually quite close to each other and they'll be about 22 arc minutes apart at around 6 p.m you know quite low on the horizon and you'll see so you'll need a nice clear view of the northwestern horizon to have any chance seeing them though they should should be visible around 5.30 because it's sort of starting to get quite dark as well. And they'll be 10 degrees above the horizon. So it's actually not too bad. So it's a good chance you'll see them. And you'll easily see them in a pair of binoculars.
0: The Moon and Pluto have a visually close encounter at 10 p.m. also on the 19th of June. Seriously, good luck seeing it through Mm -hmm. given the huge difference in brightness of the two celestial objects. But maybe you can get a very, 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 very good telescope.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and somehow blot out the moon so you can actually see Pluto.
0: <laughs> well, other than that, clear skies from wherever you are in this world. I'm Haritina Mogoshanum. And I'm Sam Liskey. From Space Place at Observatory, we wish you clear skies.